Father, thanks for another Lord's Day. Another time where we can come together as your people to hear from your word, to encourage one another, to worship God together. Lord, I pray that in this Sunday school hour that you would help us to, um, to think clearly, to, uh, to consider um, your word and, and how it should apply to our lives. Pray for, for peace and unity as we discuss the, a topic that I think in many ways we all ag- have great agreement on, but it it, uh, I think it hits us uh, personally. It, it's a very kind of all-encompassing reality in our lives, and it's just hard to know how to how to manage it. I think, and and so there's we all there's different ideas and 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 uh, thoughts and and uh, feelings and desires when it comes to. Uh, technology and and how it um, should or shouldn't be in our lives and what that looks like and and how that ultimately contributes as we're exploring in this class to a sense of uh, overwhelm and anxiety and potentially even burnout. Lord, we don't just pray for ourselves but for the children as well and and, uh, we are grateful for this opportunity that we have each week to minister to them. Pray for those who are teaching this morning that you would give them hearts full of love for these kids, that they would um, teach uh, gently and humbly and clearly and lovingly, Lord, that Jesus would be near and real to these children with whom you have entrusted us. And, um, and so we pray, oh Lord, that you would do great things in their hearts that you would cause them to be born again, Lord, for those who already do know you, that you would strengthen their faith even as young children. And we ask um, that you would be glorified in this hour. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So uh, Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And so once again, we remind ourselves of the importance of of what we're doing here, that sin clings closely. And we have a call placed upon us by uh, God to lay it aside, to lay um, weights, or another word we could use might be distractions, and we're going to talk a bit about distractions this morning. So we want to lay distractions aside, and we want to run with endurance in lastingly, right? It's, uh, you don't, If you're running a marathon, you don't start sprinting right out of the gate as fast as you can. We have to run 
with endurance and pace ourselves. And so we want to be reminded of that. And also in Acts 20, 24, Paul says he does not, he says, I don't account my life of any value or as precious to myself, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so we want to finish well. We want to run well. We want to finish well. We want to lay aside the distractions so that we could focus uh, intently on that which is most important. And again, to remind ourselves, be, beating burnout right, burnout being the, uh, a, a failure to fulfill God-given obligations that occurs because of both circumstances in our lives and our choices in our lives. So a combination of those two things and this failure is attended by increasingly negative consequences in our relationships with God, others, and ourselves. And so we have been saying that for a while. The last couple of weeks now we've been talking about in particular how the digital world in which we live affects us and moves us in certain directions, down certain corridors that I think make uh, burnout a much more likely possibility for many of us than we realize. And the two things, and there's all kinds of stuff we could explore with, um, with the digital world in which we live, but the two things that we've been um, noting so far, uh, really just we've only really looked at the first one and we'll, we'll look at that again today, it's that... Um, the, because of the way in which uh, digital technology uh, has been designed and it's kind of all-encompassing nature that it has in nearly every aspect of our lives, it's, it's very easy for us to get drawn into it and to become more and more dependent upon it. And then the second um, issue related to that is that because of that, it is much more difficult to disengage from it when we want to. Um, so last week we began discussing the gravitational pull that digital um, that the digital landscape has on us, pulling us ever increasingly into its world. Uh, and we noted that this is not a flaw in the system, right? This is by design. It's the purpose of the system. Tony Rinke in his book. Uh, 12 Ways Your iPhone is Changing You. He writes, We check our smartphones about 81,500 times each year. Or once every 4.3 minutes. And then I, I think he makes a note in the book. He says, so you're going to be tempted to check this, your phone, however many times before you even finish reading this chapter. And, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's really amazing you know, I don't, you know, I have no idea how many times I actually check my phone each year. If it's 81,500, that's kind of scary. But not just your phone, but just your screens. Like, even when I'm working, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but like, I'm more hubby, I'm on my computer working, and I'm writing something, and I'll write, I'll write, I'll finish a paragraph. And for no reason, there's just this, whoop, I just slide over and I check email. I'm like, oh, Maybe I got one, maybe I didn't, or whatever. I'll look at my phone or whatever. For some reason, I just I get a little mini break, and, and my mind just 
kind of immediately wants to run to, to something. And so I wouldn't doubt that it's that much or, or perhaps more. I mean, every 4.3 minutes sometimes, of our waking lives, that is. Not, uh, so if you're only counting, I guess, if you're not counting sleep, 4.3 minutes of our waking lives is what he says. Well, Rinky goes on to explain um, why this isn't hard to understand. He says it's in part because our lives are consolidated at this point on our phones, right? Calendars, calculators. What, remember, what was the thing when, uh, you know, I know this when I was growing up, is like, why can't I just use a, the calculator for this, right? Mr. Dickerson, why can't I use a calculator for this? You're like, well, you're not always going to just have a calculator with you every, you know. Well, it turns out we do. Calculators, cameras, pictures, work, workouts, reading, writing, credit cards, maps, all of these things can be um, just found or uploaded into our phones, right? The majority of people check their phones within minutes of waking, possibly even seconds of waking, especially if it's your, if it's your alarm clock. You're checking it within seconds of waking, and now maybe you're good about you turn the alarm off and you go on about your business, but I think it's probably easy not to, right? Let's see what, we'll see what happened while I was sleeping. I made the comment a couple weeks ago, um, uh, a, or a comment, comparing or rather contrasting a, a hammer and an iPhone, because a lot of times people will say, well, an iPhone is just a tool, right? Just a tool, just like a hammer. And I think in a sense, I certainly can agree with that. Like, it, it is a tool. It is a tool like a hammer, and <clears throat> it is very important that I take self-ownership. I have control over myself and my life and realize that I can use this thing for good or for evil I can be productive with it, or I can waste time with it, etc. However, um, because every tool is created in a particular culture for a particular purpose, the hammer and the iPhone are not tools of the same caliber or according to the same kind. Every society and every culture has an ideal of what constitutes the good life. So let's just take a minute here. American culture... Western culture, more broadly, how might we? And I don't necessarily. I mean, I'm not talking just Christians, and though I think Christians could certainly describe it this way. But how might American culture describe the good life? Yep, two point five kids, right? Increasingly, American culture probably less than that, right? Yeah, one point eight kids before long, no kids. But yeah, it's you know the good life is. Um, Comfort, ease, leisure, right? Convenience is sort of at the top of our list of things that are important to us. And so, um, because, so every, every society has this ideal of what constitutes the good life. And so the technologies that are imagined and created within certain cultures, they are created and imagined within a particular moral context and they have the imprint of what that society values um, sort of placed upon them. So in your dominant technologies in a culture, you will see an imprint of what a society values. And these, 
serve as carriers of meaning and values that we, we hold. The internet, for instance, was designed to promote individual freedoms over st- structural constraints and the market for its subsequent digital media and services warped, or sorry, wrapped the technology within a, uh, a certain type of moral story about information being power, digital connection promising prosperity, equality, and happiness. Uh, another way to put this whole thing uh, would be as, again, I'll quote Song from that book, uh, Restless Devices. She writes, each digital device and each app are emblematic of and enmeshed in an entire structural and cultural universe that values freedom, information, personal choice, and expression. Right? To stay committed to the myth of the neutral tool, she says, then is to remain blind to the fact that just as any artifact is created and employed within a given society and any given time, digital technologies are produced and are used within a context that is socially situated, not just in a universally human way, but in culturally specific, structurally particular ways. The point being that our digital technologies are flush with Values, hopes, fears, biases, and beliefs, she says. So, whose values and dreams are embedded in the design of our apps, our platforms, and our digital experiences? What might you say to that? Postmodernism, yeah? What about this? What about what, what, what type of world was this technology supposed to make possible and encourage? Yeah. Which isn't that, it's such an interesting thing because you can think of, at least I can, like immediately pros and cons that come with that, right? And, you know, to, to that, that thought about, Debbie, you have something? Yeah. Oh. Um, you, know, uh, you know, about these gatekeepers and the, the individualistic, uh, you know, individualism and freedom and all that. It's, you know, you think about the idea that, Anybody with an internet connection now can tell the world literally what they think about anything. And what's that? Yeah, yeah. And so now, yeah, and that's so. Even now, the the uh, you know the people, uh, you know, the government likes to control everything. But um, but it's interesting, right? Like, is that a is that a is it a good thing? Well. Maybe in some sense, right, that, that, there's a, that you can, you know, you can listen to people from all over. You can hear all kinds of ideas, and, and, and it's not just, oh, well, here's the, the one, you know, government-approved entity that can tell me what is true and what's not. But at the same time, I mean, there are just some people who just shouldn't be sharing their thoughts with really anybody, much less the world, Lee. Yeah, and, and because, we have this, because we have this megaphone, we feel compelled that we have to share, right? I'm not even talking about bad action. I'm just like, so like an example of it to me is the, the phenomenon of like uh, movie stars and athletes and the like on these social media platforms. Like, I guess there's a variety of opinions about this perhaps, but I couldn't care less what a professional football player thinks about 
some social or philosophical issue, right? But then they, they, they go on and on on these rants, and it's like, oh, wow, did you see what so-and-so said? And, like, I don't know why. Like, I, I'm not offended that he has an opinion and shares it or whatever, but the fact that these things seem to matter so much, right? And it's, it's this idea that if you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have whatever, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't even know about it or care to share those things. And so I just think it's an interesting uh, pull in that it, it, asks, it invites us and invites everyone to talk about everything, and we just can't care about everything in the way that we're being asked to. Yeah, Caleb. Yeah, and they, they, and they think that it's like, it, it's easy or whatever. You know, I, I've, got a, I've got a friend who, <clears throat> he, like, his, his living is, he, is talking into a camera on YouTube. And, um, but he worked hard at other jobs for a long time while he did that on the side. And he just built for six or seven years. He did that every waking minute he had that he wasn't working, you know, with his family. He was doing that. And, and, and so that's, you know, that's great. That's fine. But um, then you get, you know, these, especially like the younger people, they look at, you know, people who are their age or younger who, you know, I don't know, I guess they're just maybe somehow independently wealthy or whatever. <laughs> and so they don't have to do anything. And then they just cultivate and create this persona online and all of this. And it seems easy. And I mean, you think about how many YouTube accounts there are or podcasts there are that exists versus how many are followed significantly or people make money off of them. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, and that comes back to, you know, back to that question about the good life, tying with what Bethany was saying is that, you know, especially increasingly younger, you know, generations, the, their, apparently the ideal of the good life is I get to talk into a camera for, you know, a few, you know, minutes or hours a day or whatever. What's that? Yeah, I, that's, that's really it. I don't even want to talk into a camera. I just, I want to do nothing, get plenty of money. And roll. All right, Casey, Josh, and then we'll move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there was, I don't, I don't know if I was going to say it this morning or if I was going to say it last week and didn't or whatever, but there's a, somebody, somebody said, you know, so you have, uh, I think, therefore I am, right? Someone then says, the new, the new adage is, I connect, therefore I am. And even more than that is, I am liked, and therefore, I am. Um, and uh, so, um, yeah, so, Josh? Sure. Well, I think, yeah, so I, I agree that it very easily can, um, it probably in a different, a different setting it would be harder, it would be a harder sell, but I think that it can be easy just to kind of like pile on all the problems that we, that we see with society or, or whatever. And I, I do think ultimately it clearly is the human heart that is the problem, but I think that the way that the, that the, the, our digital world and landscape has been designed, it's been designed particularly to go after our hearts, and I think that there is, has often been a lack of awareness and intentionality in what we embrace. I think there is a, kind of been just a wholesale 
pursuit of that which is new and easier and more efficient and all of that. And so I think that we have been ever increasingly drawn into this over the especially the past 30, 30 years or so without realizing it. And so, yes, it's not that the human heart is, is good and right and it's all the problems out there, but I think we have to realize that what's out there is, was designed with the human heart in mind, I think. Okay, um, Jesse, just in my own opinion, that was the best comment that's been made in maybe the history of the world. I don't know. <laughs> Illuminate you. Hard to follow up, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, part of, I think, what I, you know, my, one of my main contentions is just to be aware, try to be aware, to be conscious that there are unintended consequences in the things that we, so like the automobile you mentioned, right? Obviously, this is in no way a call to return to like horse and buggy days. However, think about one particular unintended consequence. I suppose it was unintended, Right. Having cars, you now no longer have to, you don't have to walk as many places or as far. You don't have to ride a horse, which riding a horse is hard work, right? And so back kind of feeding into like how much do we sit, right? I think we talked about this last, like we're always sitting. We're sitting on our way to work. It doesn't take, it's no work to drive a car to to Savannah or wherever you're going, which in many ways is a good and great thing. But there, there are unintended consequences that, well, now I'm, there's, there's, there is an ease, my body is being put through much less strenuous work trying to get somewhere than it was before. And so if I don't think about that, realize that, and try to compensate in other places, you know, work out or whatever, then it becomes, you know, then all of these things just come together. And I think in the technological world, a lot of these things happen all at once or very quickly, you know, in a generation, basically, we've, we've gone... Just the, the differences in a generation is, is wild. And so I think we're, it's moving so fast that we're not quite able to keep up with the unintended consequences. Madupe, Carl, Rob. Yeah, there's, there's something, yeah, it's, there's something drawing and all-encompassing about it. I mean, 
so Silas has a little, um, it's like, I guess, an old phone of Jesse's or mine or something like that. It doesn't work. You know, it's dead. But he carries that thing around kind of a lot. And not just, like, like it's not just, hey, Dad, will you call me? Like, he'll do that. But it's like, hey, Dad, uh, my friend from class just sent me this text message. And it's, it's like this, and you kind of, it's sort of funny in a sense, but like, then you kind of think about it, and you're like, I mean, obviously he's seeing that somewhere, and like, and kids have imaginations, and of, you know, of course, but it's just like, what is it that is interesting to him <laughs> about getting a text message that he, you know, doesn't, you know, and it's usually something like, uh, you know, whatever, like. I don't even know what, what they normally say to him or whatever, but it's, 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 uh, it's weird. It's, it's, it's a little off-putting sometimes, I think. Man, like, I guess I'm on my phone too much. Uh, Derek, did you, were you going to? Yeah, and I, I think just as a, as a last comment to that, it's what, what can we take and, and use ourselves, but how, what, how do we, and this is, uh, I think, the point Casey was making, right, equip our children to do that, Right? Think about the hammer, right? I have to teach my kid how to, which, if I have to teach my kid how to use a hammer, like, we're in trouble. But my dad can teach, uh, or Jesse can teach him how to use a hammer. Like, um, but, you know, like, we, like we have to, the, these tools that we have, we have to know them well enough ourselves and know what dangers they present to us, but also what dangers they present to our children and how do we teach them and instruct them to use the, the, the tools and resources that we have at our disposal and not be mastered by them. So we'll in there. We didn't get to the, the whole thing about distraction. Uh, we'll start there next week. Um, this is a, a, a lively topic. So I appreciate all the comments. And again, my, my goal in all this is not to set up some, some answer and offer and say, this is what you must do and how you must interact with the digital world. It's just, it's this. It's this whole, it's to have this conversation so that we are having to think about it. If you're, if you, in this, these few weeks that we're talking about technology in particular, if you walk away from them just, a, if we all walk away just a little bit more thoughtful, a little bit more engaged with them, I'm pretty happy with that. Engaged with them in the sense, uh, purposefully engaged, right? Not, if you're, not, if you're in your phones more, that's not necessarily a good thing, but you know, if you're more aware of the dangers and, and more capable to use the benefits then at, at any level, then I'm good with that. Let me pray. Father, thanks for your, um, your world that you have given to us and the, the, the ingenuity that you have placed within man to take the world and to form it to, um, in, in, in a, an analogous way to do as you did, to take the chaos of the world and to form and bring order out of it. So, Lord, we, we, uh, we pray that you'd help us to do that well, that we would not take, uh, not just think purely ill of technologies and advancements and the digital world or anything like that, but that we would be cautious, that we would be wise, that we would um, depend upon you and live in the power of your Spirit uh, to, to live holy lives that are pleasing to you in everything that we do. Uh, be with us. Now, personally, Lord, fill us with your spirit and, and empower us for holy worship as we gather um, in, under the banner of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.